episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton, and today I have the privilege of bringing you one of my dearest friends, closest colleagues, is Tanya Patterson of Patterson Investments. She is an absolute dynamo powerhouse when it comes to commercial real estate, residential real estate. She specializes in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, but she's not limited to that. And you'll you'll understand why during this conversation. She's just a master networker. And one of the things that I really, really appreciate about Tanya is how detailed she is, how customer and client focused she is, her follow-up skills. She's just somebody that, that I've always and through the past couple of years really admired the way she does business and how she deals with her friends, her colleagues, her clients and business partners. And oftentimes they're all the same people because she just has this wonderful job of, of taking care of the people that are around her. And, and she just, just is an amazing human being. So I'm very, very pleased to bring you the conversation with Miss Tanya Patterson. Tanya Patterson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Dustin. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. This has been a long time coming and really excited to share more about you and your journey and the things that you have been working on, things that you are working on and, and what brought you to this point. So if you would just give, a, give the listeners a, a quick hello and say a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Again, glad to be here. And my name is Tanya Patterson. I am a real estate broker, CEO owner of Patterson Investments. And I started this particular journey in real estate 24 years ago. And um, I owned my company for 17 years here in Silicon Valley. Um, We specialize in residential and commercial sales. Um, primarily San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, um, for individuals, business owners, investors, and we have some professional athletes that we assist as well. So that's what we do. And that's who I am. (laughs) So getting into this industry and did you, did you start in that area in the Silicon Valley Bay area? So I started real estate in the Bay Area, but my career started in high tech. Okay. So prior to real estate, I worked at Intel and Apple Computer. Um, my background is, uh, my degree is in telecommunications and I have a computer science background. So I did some programming, um, some accounting, some management before going into real estate. Um, one of the reasons I got into real estate is just to have more flexibility Hmm. and to be able to determine my future. When when you were growing up, say, you know, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. what did you imagine you'd be doing when you grew up? Wow, that's a great question. And I was thinking about that literally last week. I wanted to be a teacher. Hmm. Um, I wasn't sure in what capacity. I was thinking uh, along the lines of math something in math. I'm really good in math and I love math. I love numbers, but I also love helping people. 
And I thought I could have a lot of influence if I was a teacher in, you know, maybe junior high or high school. I really wanted to have an impact on young adults. Was there somebody in your life, uh, you know, a teacher or relative that you modeled yourself after or somebody that you were like, hey, I like the way that person does it. Maybe I can do something like that. You know, not really, believe it or not. I just had a passion for educating, particularly young adults and children, just really shaping the future because they are our future. Um, but no, I really didn't have anyone that I wanted to model my life after. My grandmother was a great influence in my life in terms of how I interact with people. She was always mm. helping people and she was really active in the church and she was um, over the usher board and I was in the choir and I went to Bible study. And so um, in those environments, you're always helping people in different capacities oftentimes. And then when you went to college, you went to school, was that still in your mind of what you wanted to do when you went to college? No, I wanted to be a teacher until I got to college. And once I got to college, it shifted to computer science. I wanted to, um, that was the new thing at the time I graduated five years ago. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I graduated, computer science and programming was very popular, similar to AI today. Hmm. And everyone wanted to, you know, get into computer science and program. Um, and so I went into that field for about two years and quickly realized I don't really want to do this. And the main reason for the change is I did not want to sit behind a desk all day long and never go outside. Um, a lot of programmers and today it's a little more flexible. But back then it was you sit at your desk and you just program from eight to five o'clock except lunch. <laughs> mm. And I did not want to do that. So shifted my major to telecommunications. I worked in that field for probably a year or two after graduation and decided corporate America wasn't really um, my cup of tea. I wanted more flexibility. When you're in corporate America, um, there's a place for it. I respect it totally. But for me, the nine to five, um, you know, you get two weeks off a year, maybe four weeks off a year, and it just didn't work for my personality. And I also wanted to be able to earn unlimited income. I think sometimes in corporate America, you can be limited by the structures. You know, you can get a promotion and you get to this level. The next promotion, you get to this level. Sometimes you have to change within the company. Sometimes you have to leave the company. But in real estate, you have much more flexibility in terms of the amount of money and the earning potential. And how did you gain access to that? Did you did you see somebody doing that, or, or was there somebody that you were like, "Oh, wait, I wanted," I know you knew you didn't want to do this, but sure. did you see somebody in your life that was doing real estate that you were like, "Maybe I should take a look at that"? No, I, surprisingly, I did not. How I. Uh started my real estate career or the thought process is I've always loved looking at homes. So I started out in residential. I loved looking at homes. I would go to all of the model homes for new construction every weekend. And as I began to think about what is it that I'd like to do transitioning from corporate America, real estate suddenly came into focus. I said, you know, you love looking at homes. Why don't you try real estate? And it is the best decision. I could have ever made 
honestly. My first year, I just blew the game out of the water. I was number eight out of 98 ages in production. Oh, wow. First year out. And I knew I was on to something at that point. I said, yes, this, this is me. And I remember my manager saying, if I could just bottle you and, you know, make carbon copies and sell you, I would be really, really happy. Sell what you do and all of the expertise you have and you learn so quickly and your personality and your authenticity. I would be a rich man. So right away, I knew this was the place for me. And so you, because again, the name of this is Tools, Talents, and Techniques, and you just listed a couple very specific things. Mm-hmm. And those aspects of your personality, that you, you know, your authenticity, just everything about your personality and who you are, did it, was it really like the first month that you were there that you realized it? I mean, I know it panned out for the first year, but how long did it take you to, you were like, oh yeah, I got this? Yeah, I think it was within six months. It was in six months because, and so I would say to the listeners, find your passion. You know, if you're good at something, my personality is a people person. I'm outgoing. I love helping people. And if you can find something that matches who you are already, you're halfway there. Mm. You're halfway there. Um, And that's what it was for me. My personality fit the job. And Six months in, I knew, I knew this is it. So, yeah. You were solely focused on residential at that time. How long were you in that side, on that side of the business until you started to introduce some of the commercial side? For about 10 years, let's see, 99. So I would say almost 10 years. And the reason I got into commercial real estate is a lot of my investors, I work with a lot of investors and they would say, do you have um, someone that can help me invest on the commercial side? So I found myself referring a ton of business out. And there were two things that happened with that. One, it just didn't make sense because I couldn't control their portfolio completely. If they're investing, I want to know what they're doing and be able to really give them the optimal results. And you can't do that necessarily when you're handing half of it off to someone else. The other thing is, because of some of my clientele being who they are, I really didn't want to release their their information to other people. Um, there's a confidentiality component that goes with all clients, but certainly some clients have um, more of a risk factor having their information out, knowing where they live. Sure. Um, the, example, the athletes, the yeah, entertainers, exactly. high profile clientele. Absolutely. Exactly right. Absolutely right. You don't want to necessarily have everyone knowing where they live. So, um, so that's how I got into the commercial side. So I started uh, controlling the entire portfolio and I've been doing commercial now for about 13 or 14 years. And I do both because I get referrals in both spaces. Was, was there, was there anything, what was your biggest challenge going into the commercial side, like any differences in the way the, you know, portfolios roll up and how they're operated. Was there anything that jumps out that was a major challenge or obstacle for you? Two. Um, But the largest one would be, it's mostly a male dominated space. 
especially 13, 14 years ago. Now it's changing a bit, which is great. And we're seeing more um, women in the business, but for a very long time, and still today, it's it's mostly male dominated. Um, so when people would see me, they weren't sure who I was, right? Oh, so you must be you know, ops manager, or you must be someone else. Um, and I know I'm a real estate broker. I'm a commercial real estate broker. And it's like, oh, okay. So, and, and we still get that today as women. Uh, my colleagues and I, female com- colleagues and I laugh about it all the time. So it's, so that is one of the challenges in commercial real estate. Sure. What, what's, <laughs> what, what's, uh, what, and it sounds like the way you got over it is by being good at what you do and having a good network of people around you. So exactly. that's, it, what, what was one of the other obstacles that you overcome? Yeah, yeah. One of the other obstacles is residential real estate is under RESPA, which is called the Residential Settlement Procedures Act. And so there's a lot of oversight on the residential side, which is condo, single family home, um, duplex, triplex, fourplex. Those are all residential. A lot of oversight there. Once you get to a fiveplex in an apartment or if you're doing industrial or office or retail, the oversight is different. It's not under RESPA. And so um, it's slightly, it can be the wild, wild west at times in terms of the regulations. So yeah, that part is different. Different. In okay. many, many right. ways. Oh my gosh. In so many different ways, commission based. I mean, you know, when you have the MLS, the commission is posted right there on the MLS, but with commercial, there's all these different documentations and different nuances. Um, So you just have to make sure everything's in writing. You should anyway, but it's without that RESPA oversight, um, it's uh, a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd, I'd agree with that. There are a lot of moving, yes. moving, moving parts and moving and you pieces. Know it. Absolutely. I, I know it very well. Know it very well. So yes, one, one of the questions I have, because you did mention before about um, the, you being very proficient at math early on. And is that one of the things that once you got into into real estate, commercial real estate, and res- real estate in general, that felt like you had a tool in your back pocket that that fit well it was and it is because you know i'm able to have discussions with clients that i think a lot of agents and brokers can't have right on the spot um i have three clients i'm working with right now that are investing and so we're looking at the of course the cost segregation um as you know uh depreciation we're looking at the historic uh historical data for, we're looking at four properties right now to, to decide which property we'd like to purchase. So we're looking at the history of those properties themselves, the history of the area, um, all of the things. We don't just write an offer, negotiate the contract and walk into the property. It's like, okay, how does this fit into the portfolio? What is the cash flow? And does this make sense for this particular investor? Each investor is different. What they're looking to do and accomplish is different. Um, so yes, the numbers, being really good at math and numbers helps tremendously um, in just, just looking at the overall picture. Yeah. And that's one thing that really uh, impresses me about certain people, present company included, mm-hmm. is that when you can do things at a high level 
covering multiple different aspects of it. That being said, some people have just, you know, the right personality, but they're not strong in this area. Right. But from what I've seen and how you operate over, over these past few years that, that we've known mm-hmm. each other, I feel like you do it all well. Um, it's a, you know, you have, you have talent in all these different places, but one of the things that, that really jumps out to me, uh, aside from some of the other things I already mentioned is your communication mm. and your follow-up and your proficient. Can you talk a little bit about what that, why it's important to you, how you develop that skill and just any, anything that your thought process around clear communication Yes, that is something that I pride myself on. Um, I treat people like I want to be treated. So certainly if I'm in the process of buying real estate, I would want to know several things. Is this a good fit for me? I'd want a great negotiator. I'd want someone authentic and honest. Um, And I would want that follow-up. You know, and I remember talking to another broker in the East Bay and he had a, it was, this was a fourplex. My client saw it and wanted it. So I called him. It was off market. He told us about it. And I called the broker and I said, I would love to write an offer on this property. My client wants, and he says, if you write it this amount, it's yours. So we said, great. We wrote the offer. And then he said, well, we changed our mind. We are going to now put the property on the market. So things like that are just I try to stay away from people that do those things because when you, you should be a person of your word. So then I said, okay, this was, you know, this is a one-off maybe, you know, okay, let's just see if we can still work with this. And so I called him to speaking of following up, called him back to say, okay, so when is the property going on the market? Let's see if we still have an opportunity to purchase this property. Then all of a sudden he just went dark and didn't hear from him. He put the property on the market, maybe three months later, it was, I saw him maybe a year after that. And he said it was a horrible experience. Don't know what to really say to that, but um, he said it was just absolutely awful. Um, the tenants wouldn't move out, and there were all these little crazy things that were going on with the property. But he never called me back. The follow up just wasn't there. And we're colleagues, right? He's a broker. I'm a broker. He never called me back. He never followed up. And when I questioned him about that, I said, "You don't follow up." He says, "Well, it's only been four days." And I said, four days." Mm. So I don't do that. You know, usually for me, it's within 24 hours, if not sooner, I call people back. If I have their property on the market once a week, at least I update them on the market. And so they come to expect that, okay, Tanya is going to call us every Monday between this hour and let us know what's happening with our property. They've been trained so well that if I miss it by 30 minutes, I get a phone call. Oh, Tanya, you know, I didn't get that call at 10 o'clock. You know, it's 1030. So I've trained my clients. They know that I will follow up. I'm precise. I'm detailed and trustworthy. So, yeah. I, it's, it's something that I that's not uncommon among people with a sales background and with the sales personality, but really with a sales background that they have that type of follow-up. Was that something... And I know you you mentioned it's part of your, like your personality and who you are, but is that something that you learned in in the sales training when you got into real estate, or, or could you point back to anywhere where you started to identify that this was an important way to be? You know, I watched immediately as soon as I got into the business. I watched the top producers, and that's what they did. They followed up. 
There were a few that didn't, and that's because they had uh, connections. Maybe their, you know, spouse was in a corporate role, or and they had access to a lot of people, and people worked with them just because of that, right? Who they were. But most of the people followed up. Most of our top producers out here, they follow up, and they're trustworthy and they're honest. Um, yeah. And they get repeat business because when you do those things, they refer their family and friends to you. When you don't do those things, you get one transaction. <laughs> hmm. So you would say you 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 were watching, you were observant, you were seeing how other people. Was, was there was there anybody early in your career or at any point in your career that you that I won't say took you under their wing, but somebody that really said, "Hey, this is where you." make a left or maybe watch out for this or do that. Was there anybody like that that you look to? And, I, and I'm not, not necessarily like a, men, a mentor, but um, to anybody that you, you could point to. So there wasn't a mentor. I really just paid attention. I just watched mm. and paid very close. I've mentored several people, um, but I did not really have a mentor. I paid very close attention to what people did and what people didn't do. Mm. But I did, I would say two years into the business, I signed up with a coaching company. And I think that that was changing. And if you want me to announce the company on here, I can, or we can keep it quiet, but. Hey, no, hey, this tape, this is, this is your stage. You can say what you can say, whatever you want. I am, this is all about you being able to share your insights, the the tools, talents, and techniques that you have that, that make you successful. Yeah, so Brian Buffini um, teaches, he's in San Diego, actually. Um, I okay. think he lives in San Diego. He has a lot of conferences, masterminds in San Diego. I haven't gone for several years now, but he teaches you how to build your business based on referral. He has a large following uh, nationwide, actually. And within his organization, he has coaches. And I had a coach, I think, once or twice. And it was a game changer. Some people actually sign up year after year after year. I didn't. After the first year or two, I had it down. I just, mm. you just replicate it and make adjustments and change it a little bit based on the economy. But I just replicated it over and over and over and over and over and over again with a few tweaks. So I did have a coach early on and it changed my life too. It changed my life. Yeah. So talk about that going. And I, and I, I am. I am so on board with that. And I think one of the things that's important, I, somebody said one time, they were talking about personal training stuff. And he, he goes, he goes, yeah, I don't know even know why this guy even needs personal training. Like he's in great. But I was thinking, well, no, even the top performers have coaches. And actually, yes. the and this, I think this dovetails well with, you know, your interaction with the sports world. The highest performers have more coaches, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you and think about basketball. Like not only do you have um, a strength and conditioning coach, but they have a, a nutritionist coach. They have a shooting uh-huh. coach. They have a dribble coach. So you have a team of coaches around uh-huh. you. So no, I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in having uh-huh. whatever resources and coaches and mentors you can have around you to help you get to where you, you want to go. Oh, um, yeah, it's very important. I agree. But, did you did you have that mindset going in of, of like because it sounds like when you started you were already on the right track and right. you were looking say oh you know what if I just had this this and that what was that thought process like you know I said if I could just get to the next level I mean I was already in the top ten percent of the companies I worked for immediately you know almost day one so I thought okay 
there's something else for me. What's the next level look like? How does that look for me? And how do I get there? And when you're in the top 10%, very few people around you are doing it. <laughs> you're, you're it. Everyone's looking up to you. And so how do you then get to the next level if you don't have a model to follow? Um, and that's when I started thinking about the coaching. And I said, okay, let me go to an organization that has worked with people nationwide that are at the top, not top 10%, but top 1%. So that's what got me to thinking I needed a coach and um, definitely game changer. Was there anything that stands out where that, that I know you said you, you tweak the recipe yeah. here and there depending on the meal, but is, is there anything that stands out? Like these are the major food groups that, that yes. I took from coaching. Yes, the um, follow-up was one. That was a huge one. And thank you cards. Where are my thank you cards? Mm. Yeah, sending thank you cards. Handwritten thank you cards are quite powerful. So uh, no one can see it, but you can. Right? Sending these out, that's powerful. The other thing that, and I was just sharing this in a couple of meetings last week. So Brian teaches something called ABCD, your database. So the A's are your A clients. They're the people that have, they're already referring you, that are already introducing you, that already really like you. Those are your A team. And then you have your B clients that are almost A's, but they're not really there yet. Maybe you need to go to lunch with them. Maybe you need to send them a few cards, or maybe there's something you need to do to get them to the A's. And then, of course, you're seized, you know, they're a little further down, but maybe a, a little bit more work, you can get them to be and so on. The Ds you delete. And it's not that they're bad people, but they're probably never going to convert and work with you because maybe they have a family member that's a real estate professional or maybe whatever the reason, just delete them. Again, it's not that they're bad people, but you remove them from your database. Your database is for your, your A, ideally your A list. You want to get everyone A. And with that mm. A list, you go deeper. You go deeper. You make sure you go to lunch with them. You send them cards. You send them, you know, their kids' birthdays. You know their birthdays. And you call them and say happy birthday. And you do those things. You invite them for the holidays to your Christmas party. I have a Christmas party every year with over 100 people. I have a band, catered food, all of the things. And I invite my A-list, <laughs> you know, to that. And out of that party, almost every year except the last party because of COVID probably, I walk away with at least five new clients Oh, because they refer me or they say, oh yeah, you know, we were talking about that and I forgot to tell you I'd like to buy an investment property. So I walk away with an investment of maybe three to $5,000 depending on if I have a band and what kind of food and I typically do some type of music. I really significantly increase that amount in sales. Oh yeah, your ROI on that is, I mean, based on finding clients and the numbers that, but yeah, that's- It's pretty crazy. It's pretty amazing. That's remarkable. So the powerful thing, the most powerful thing is that ABCD, your database. And with your A clients going deeper, it's powerful because I'm glad we're having this conversation. Again, I mentioned it to a couple of people in a meeting last week. <clears throat> but I, sometimes you get busy being busy. You know, you have something on your calendar and you just go. But what I did about three months ago or so, maybe two, two and a half months ago, I said, you know this already. You had a coach. Implement this strategy 
go deeper in your A-list. And when I did that, I received seven referrals in the last six weeks. Wow. And that's all I did. I said, why are you scattering yourself, going to all of these meetings, doing all of these things and around people that are are not going to refer you for whatever reason, they've got their people and what have you, but you have your A-list, go deeper. And I did seven, I just got the last one or the seventh one, two or three days ago. Well, and you, you went back to the playbook. I went back right? to like there, there, there's a reason that it worked in the first place and right. you have that, right. but it, it is, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes you get so busy being busy and mm-hmm. doing things because, you know, you yeah. it just, life takes you off short. You're chasing something over here, but going back to those fundamentals is, is so key to achieving success, whatever that success is for you, whether it's personal, professional. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely. I think what I'm going to do after uh, our call is put a team or ABC, your database, CD, your database on my monitor. <laughs> so I see it every day. So I don't get too busy. Yeah, no, that's, that's smart. You know, out of sight, out of mind too, that's if you it. don't have it up there. That's it. That's so, it. so many things that, that you're talking about here are just good principles for a human being. <laughs> really, really. Yeah. Um, is, is there, is there anything that you would think or how do you how do you feel about what your professional life versus your personal life mm-hmm. because you you are who you are and that's one of the things i really enjoy about spending time with you like you're such a a dynamic person is there is there something there do you do you ever think of that of like you you tend to bring your whole self to everything that you mm-hmm. do is that something that you consciously had to come to no, I think that's just my personality. I think mm. that's just uh, my DNA and, and programming. Um, yeah, I just bring my whole self to the party, which is why, or any situation, which is why A, B, C, D in your database is so important when you're a person like me, you know, not everyone deserves to have this amazing talent, you know, if, if they're not going to utilize it in certain ways, then that's okay. I should take this bright light, right? And go to my A list where that light is going to get even brighter because now they're in the room and they're bright, right? Because brightness attracts brightness. Mm. It can attract darkness too, but you have to, those are your D's. You delete those, right? And it's okay. But I want to shine brightly and I want that positive energy to come back and forth. I don't want the D's, right? Because why? It's extra energy you're spending why? So I went back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even, even the way you are expressing this and getting rid of the D's and not in a way that's negative, it's right. just letting go. Like it's not, it's like the difference between just letting go mm-hmm. and throwing something away. Right, <laughs> like right. sometimes you don't have to actually spike the ball on the ground. Just drop, <laughs> just drop it. Like, you know, just lay it down nicely and walk away because it's yeah. holding you back. That's it. That's it. And I think sometimes we forget to do that. I'm just as guilty, which is why I've gone back to the basics. You know, again, we get busy being busy and, you know, just just walk away. Mm. When you're amazing already, you don't need to force anything. You just don't. Yeah. Play with your A-list. They're fun. I mean, they're sociably, you know, socially, should I say, uh, rewarding to you. You can go and do things with them. They're personally rewarding. They're financially rewarding. It's all of the A-L-L-Y things. (laughs) 
And so why spend your time in spaces that are dark, D, dark? I don't know. I made that up as, you know, that's not what he said. He just said delete. But, um, (laughs) you know, sometimes the Ds can be dark and sometimes they're just working with other people. Right. So. Sure. um, But, yeah. And and I think over time and having that experience and knowing what's an A, what's a B, what's a C and what's a D. Just just having that awareness and then, then you can proceed accordingly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is is there is there anything else that that you would say like in your experience tools that help really set you apart? Because you you mentioned the coaching, mm-hmm. uh you mentioned leaning in towards your strengths and your personality and who you are and you know, what you like to do, what you enjoy doing, what you're mm-hmm. strong at. Is there anything else that a, a tool that you have in your belt that you're like, "Oh, wow. This this is a game changer too." Yes. The fact that I do commercial and residential sales. Mm. Most people do one or the other, and I do both. And I like that because I have access to um, commercial properties nationwide, to distressed properties nationwide. I'm a certified distressed property expert, um, CDPE. I have several certifications in foreclosures, REO, REO Trans, uh, REO Network. I mean, um, I have so many. I'm HUD certified. Um, a lot of agents and brokers are not. So I probably have seven or eight certifications in the distressed property real estate home um, area. So I have that as well as the fact that I do both residential and commercial sales. And most people don't have the certifications and they only sell either residential or either commercial. So, so what, one of the things, and this may be getting into the, the deep end a little bit on the, on the real estate side, but because of maturities and you know low maturities and not necessarily just in distress, but in general, is there, I know from where the seat that I sit, that there's, there's a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. in, in the market and when people are going to let go and when, which properties they're going to, you know, try to, try to adjust the loan and, and figure something out, which ones they're going to let go. Mm-hmm. Is, is that like, what percentage of your time right now, would you say that takes up? You know, I will have to say I am incredibly blessed Hmm. because when I talk to my colleagues, they are not doing that well right now. They just aren't. Um, They're bogged down in a lot of those details. I'm not. Hmm. I mean, I'm getting people that say, hey, I want to buy this property. Um, It's 2021 for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not feeling that very much at all. Um, I know it's out there. I, mm-hmm. I read all of the data and I have colleagues, um, but I personally have not felt a lot of that pinch. It may come down the pipe in a year or maybe six months, but right now I don't, I don't feel that uh, pain. You know, I'm very creative too. I'm, I always believe the glass is half full. Mm-hmm. It's never half empty. And and I'll give you an example of that. So I um, have a prescription with, or subscription, should I say, with CoStar and Crexy. And those are the platforms for commercial real estate. And I remember my rep for CoStar called me and he, you know, this was maybe a year, year and a half ago. And he said, oh, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing fine, right? Because I do residential commercial. Commercial was slow, but residential was doing great. 
And I told him that was why I, I was doing a lot of residential a couple of years ago. And he said, you know, a lot of my commercial clients are really suffering in agents. And I said, well, here's the thing. And this is an example of how I think. I said, your commercial agents and brokers have a license, right? They're they have a real estate license. He says, yes. I said, and they have friends that sell residential real estate. And he says, yes. I said, they can fill out an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and sign it and get a referral fee, 25% for those deals. They don't have to suffer. He says, oh, I said, so, you know, if the property is a million dollars, the commission is, let's just say $30,000. Guess what? They get 25% of that. Hmm. So if you refer one person a month and they close a deal, let's say once a month, you're doing okay. Yeah. So you are suddenly a very happy person. So, you know, why should you not refer someone, right? So if we do the math, right, 25,000, right, is the commission. And then you're getting 25%, right? So you're getting 62.50, right? So if you're getting 62.50 and you get that for a year, let's just, you know, so you're getting $75,000. There you go. Jam it on the math. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, right on cue. Right. I mean, that's just not bad, right? I mean, you're, what do you have to complain about? And so, yeah. said, oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even, you know, consider that, oh, that's all they need to do. You know, I didn't even think about, you know, they could just refer for residential real estate. I said, yeah, I mean, just because they, it's not their expertise, it doesn't mean that they can't benefit from it financially yeah that's a that's a great point i I think also when it comes to people that just work on the commercial side though it's not Mm -hmm. just about like hey how am i going to pay the bills it's Mm -hmm. like you got people that are high performers that want to do well and so again it's not all about the it's it's about the money but it's not all about the money and also they have clients Mm -hmm. that they have returns that they're uh, focused on. So it, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, but you're, but you're right. There is a, there's a silver lining there. Well, at least it keeps food on the table while you're trying to figure things out. You know, yep. it's better to get 6250 a month than you know, 75,000 looking at a million dollar property, for example, something sure. go in. I mean, it's better to get that and eat than to not, but you're right. It, it, it is, uh, a bag of tricks you know there are a lot of things uh, moving parts <laughs> that's right moving parts yeah so in, in what you where you sit and the, all the things that, that you're doing and you're working the residential and especially in, in silicon valley in in the in the past few years i know a lot of people have, have left that area um but i when i look in that area there's still a ton of activity what what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the future of the air, real estate in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley specifically? Yeah, so let's talk about San Francisco briefly. One of the challenges with San Francisco, the rents are still a little high. We have a very large vacancy rate on the commercial side, very large vacancy rate. A slight vacancy rate on the residential side, but not as bad. So I, what we're doing now, what I'm seeing um, are concessions, you know, maybe two months free rent. On the commercial side, I'm seeing free rent, which we usually give anyhow, but I'm also seeing TI, tenant improvement. A lot more owners are, you know, putting money up front for tenants to have tenant improvement and a lot of money, really doing major renovations for the tenants. So a lot more concessions are happening. Um, so things haven't changed too much yet. 
but in the next year and 2024 and 2025, things will get a little strange because a lot of the leases are coming due, right? A lot of the mm-hmm. leases are expiring, should I say. They are expiring next year and year after. And many business owners are not planning to renew. Yeah. So we haven't, I don't think, seen the worst of it yet unless we can find a way to convert office buildings to multifamily um, or do something creative. Yeah, and then those, and I, that's been a lot of talk about the the conversions, and I haven't seen too many people do that well, right? Yet, um, you know, I think there are going to be some things that you know, some creative solutions that come along. But mm-hmm. to your point about the leases um, expiring, and then if the new rents that are coming in are lower, and then the values of the properties go down, and the finance, so there, there's, there's a lot to. Um, to be That's worked right. out in these next couple of years. It's going to be interesting. But again, I, I, your your perspective and, and being positive and like there there will be things, those, uh, you know, the black swan, the things that are happening that is like, oh, well, didn't see that coming. <laughs> and similarly, right. I, think, I, think, I think the AI, I think I, I'm, a, I'm a big on, on artificial intelligence and I don't know exactly how this yeah. is going to shape up. I have my own ideas. I have my own projects that I'm working on. But I do feel like it's going to be the gasoline on the fire. It's going to change things in a way that we can't even we can't even um, think of or perceive right now. Totally yeah. agree with you. AI is a game changer. So yes, we shall see how that uh, amplifies or does not amplify our current situation. And yes, it is definitely going to be different with AI. You know. The thing about AI is it's programmed by humans, right? Humans are programming these things. So we have to be really careful because we can still put in limitations based on our own thoughts. So I think there's still work to be done there, but we've come a long way. So I'm definitely excited about what AI has to offer um, offer us as long as we don't do any. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm actually uh, taking a course through uh, Cal Berkeley uh, for oh. AI business applications. Yeah. I don't think I shared that with you previously, but it, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to, to mm-hmm. be on the other side of it and to mm-hmm. talk to the people that are actively engaged in, in making the decisions and, and why they make certain decisions and how, cause I've been interested in it a long time and, you know, reading books and all those things. So now being a business owner and applying artificial mm-hmm. intelligence and other emerging technologies to the actual, work and all the things that, that, that are behind the curtain, um, so to, so to speak, it, it's just, it's amazing. It, it's a, it's fun. It's the most fun that I've had learning <laughs> in a long wow. time. So I haven't been in school in, in decades, but, uh, every time a, a class ends, I'm just thinking, man, I, I wish that was longer. That's awesome. That is yeah. I'm excited. We'll have to talk about that offline and and see what you're learning on the AI side, because it's a game changer and I'm excited about it. I think a lot of good things will come out of AI. I mean, we're going to have a lot of hiccups, right? It's a new technology, but I think some great things will come from AI for sure. Very positive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm sure it's like most things. There's the good and the bad, right? Like right. best of times, the worst of times, there'll be good things. There'll be bad things. Um, there'll be things that, 
you know, subtract. There'll be things that add, things that divide, things that multiply. So, correct. Back to the math. Absolutely. Back to the math. Absolutely. Back to the math. <laughs> Back to the basics. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree with you, Dustin. Yes, it's, um, but I'm excited about the Bay Area, you know, just to kind of go back to that. I'm excited. I, it's a very, very um, positive place. The weather is great. Um, people travel here. They love being here. We have tech. We have the medical. We're entrepreneurs. We have wonderful universities, um, you know, the Bay, we have the Bay, um, we're close to Tahoe. The Bay Area mm-hmm. is, a, is an amazing place, a very diverse population here. Sure. Um, and so we will pivot. We will definitely pivot. Um, the commercial it's too, is it's too wonderful of a place to not. Exactly. Uh, I, I do love it up there. And every time I'm, mm-hmm. I'm there, I has a special place in my heart for, you know. Yes, absolutely. We get the four seasons other than snow, you know, we get that sometimes now too. So (laughs) and sometimes we get snow, you know, so we, we have, you know, San Francisco is not hot. We get cool weather, you know, sometimes 50, 60 degrees. And so it has a lot of, I mean, for example, in the South Bay, it can be 91 and in San Francisco, it can be 61, Mm. you know, one, one hour and a half drive. So depending on what you want, what your flavor is, you're an hour and a half away from it. <laughs> so no. it's a great place. No. Lots of opportunity, great people. We will rebound um, for sure. We just have to figure out this commercial piece. And I'm thinking really, really, you know, converting to multifamily is important. It's expensive to do right now, right? Because of the way the restrictions are set up. You know, the office buildings have certain criteria. The windows are this height, the the floors are that height and residential has a a separate criteria. But if we can figure out how to merge the two safely, where we still have safety in place, then um, I think we will win. And I I, I think those are very, very important points. And it's going to take team effort. It's going to take creativity. It's going to take capital. It's going to take, Mm -hmm. going to take a lot of effort and intention. So I, I absolutely agree with you on that. That's the right intentionality. That's that's the word. You have to be intentional. So yes, indeed. <laughs> so before before we go, I wanted to make sure that I, I give you an opportunity to. Is there is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners um, about yourself, about projects that you're working on? When to contact you? Why? I mean, I think we've expressed many reasons why to contact you, right. uh, but just want to give you the opportunity, give you the floor to to share anything you want to express. Sure, absolutely. If people would like to retire one day, <laughs> hmm. if they would, if they would like to add more money to their retirement account, um, other than what is coming to them, if they'd like to add ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars per month to their retirement account uh, portfolio, and create cash flow, consistent cash flow, they want to call me. I can help them look at the numbers. We can find the perfect property, whether it's residential or commercial or both, so that they can do that. Um, Most of your millionaires in the world have been made through real estate. And if your listeners, our listeners would like to be a part of those millionaires, they should call me and um, I can help them find the perfect property. Yeah. Residential or commercial. And if they're not in the Bay Area. I can certainly connect them nationwide. I have connections nationwide 
through BCREN and other yeah. platforms, but mostly <laughs> BCREN. And um, I can connect them to the perfect professional in their area. So they That's should fantastic. Call. Anything real estate, right. call Tanya Patterson at Patterson Investments. Love it. Tanya, thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure speaking with you as always. Congratulations on your success and I'm sure I'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing in the community and at large. Thank you so much. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, leaving a review, and sharing with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months with some very impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business who are making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques.